Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Hey, Nicole, how are you today? I'm doing really well, Chris. How are you? Doing good, doing good. This one's different. It's gated horses. I I have a little experience with them, not a lot, but they're pretty amazing horses, right? I mean, I don't know. Have you been around gated horses before? I don't have a lot of personal experience with gated horses, but I work with a lot of customers who have gated horses. So I get that experience by osmosis, which is honestly one of the coolest parts of my job. I get to do a little bit of a lot of things. And in fact, speaking of gated horses, I was at Standard Bread Racing last night. Oh, wow. So yeah, up close and personal with some pacers. Yeah, I know. You've seen some pacing. Yeah, it's so funny to watch them run. And and, uh, it's just they, I don't know. This is, again, why I think both you and I get so giddy talking about horses and you look at all the disciplines. And then, you know, you think about the gated horses, how beautiful they are and, and, and how they they run and walk. And we're going to talk about that real quick. Yeah. Amazing horses. So today just kind of focusing on what are they, what are gated horses? And then, you know, for the owners out there, what are some things they should look out for as far as their health and and nutrition? But I guess to kind of kick this off for people that aren't too familiar with gated horses, what are they? I mean, why, why are they called quote unquote gated horses? Right. Cause all horse have gates. So, you know, walk, trot, canter, gallop, those are gates. So in this case, we would consider those, quote unquote, the natural gates of the horse. So walk, trot, canter, gallop. When a horse is gated, it has some additional gates beyond kind of those. Generally, we talk about the mystery, the canter, gallop combined. But those horses, they actually, and, and there's a variety of gates, but a horse who's, quote unquote, gated will have options beyond are walk, trot, canter. Um, and a lot of times they're called ambling gates, which I think is a cool way to describe that. Um, often tended to be sought after because they're very comfortable, so great for long trail rides and different things. There are some really cool, I guess, traditional breeds that are really maintained because mm-hmm. they have those interesting gates as well. So a lot of times there's cool history behind them and mm-hmm. like a lot of tradition. But it's me to kind of expand when we're, we've been doing a little bit of a breed review type thing here on the podcast, and it's cool to expand into this group. I will say we we can't cover all of them individually. Um, in fact, looking at the list, there were ones I, I actually had not heard of um, on the mm-hmm. gated horse list. Uh, some common ones people may have heard of, the American Saddlebred, uh, Icelandic. Missouri Foxtrotters. Um, you have your Pasifino and your Peruvian Paso. Uh, Tennessee Walking Horse, Rocky mm-hmm. Mountain Horse. I mean, a lot of different ones, and that's that's just a short part of the list. It it is a lo- a large breed, and I think one of the things that I really want to ride one of these one day because they they say they developed these ambling gates because it made it made riding so comfortable for for our seats, you know, and 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 just to be able to sit there and have that horse move under you and it's almost like it's it's like the cadillac of horses as we used to describe it or now we call it like the lamborghinis of of horses i i I really love those descriptions of these horses so when we do look at these breeds because i know they've been specially selected to be able to do these gates has there any 
genetic disorders arise because like, you know, with quarter horses, we have HYPP because of selective breeding. Uh, did you come across anything in your research that indicates that, they, that there might be some concerns, especially when it comes to nutrition? Yeah, good news here. At least to date, there have not been any nutritional genetic disorders identified in any of these gated horse breeds that we're talking about. And again, the list is pretty long. Now, the genetic research they've done in gated horses, you know, has actually focused on like, how, why do they gate? How do they gate? Um, and it's actually me. There's a gene mutation on a specific gene, DMRT3, which really changes during development um, the spinal neurons that are developed that are responsible for locomotion. So that genetic mutation, and not all mutations are bad, right? This would be an example of one that's mm -hmm. a good one is what led to these ambling gates. And and like we said, there's a number of them. They they tend to be four beaded gates of varying intensity, the rat, the running walk, the foxtrot, et cetera. But yeah, so good news here, not not saying one couldn't be discovered in the future, but to date, there have not been any genetic disorders related to nutrition specific to any of the gated horse breeds. Uh, that's good news. That That's really good news because I know it's, it's it's like very selective breeding, especially to get uh, these ambling gates. And then, that you know, you find the one that does them the best and, and breed that those genes. So that's good news for gated horse owners. But is, is there some just general concerns, I guess, is, is you know, because when I thought about this, I was like, OK, so it's just kind of a general list. What are some of the things that you check off in your head? OK, when I have a horse, these are some of the things I have to be wary of, regardless of breed. So just a good review for everybody listening. Right. A horse is a horse, regardless of if it's three-gated or five-gated or whatever. Mm. There are some common issues that are represented in all horse breeds just because they share a lot of that basic physiology. So, yeah, one horse can do some really cool extra gates. That doesn't mean that its digestive system is any different, for example. So as we know, colic, number one cause of death in horses outside old age. So that's something that crosses all breeds, all ages, all types of horses. Some of these breeds can also be really easy keepers. So they can, not because of genetic reasons. Genetically, they're easy keepers. Like they have a little bit slower metabolism. For that reason, they can tend to be overweight. And we know that obesity is directly linked to an increase in risk of metabolic disorders. So from that perspective, there's not a genetic mutation like an HYPP, for example, mm -hmm. that is causing problems. However, because some of these breeds can be easier keepers, we do sometimes see an incidence of insulin resistance, et cetera, equine metabolic syndrome that is higher than, you know, some other breeds. So for that, for that reason, we would want to be mindful because we know Equine metabolic syndrome dramatically increases their likelihood of experiencing laminitis. Beyond that, you know, kind of just the basics of a horse is a horse. We're going to feed it good quality forage and fill in the gaps. I think mm -hmm. one thing that might be helpful a little bit is talking about some of the jobs of these horses because I, I got to thinking about it today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As a researcher, you always love to have big scales for things. And I realized, for example, the level of exercise that like all of us feed manufacturers put on a light, moderate, heavy exercise. That ties back to our NRC definitions of work. And those are all in walk, trot, canter. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we've left mm -hmm. our gated friends out a little bit. 
yep, yep, um, yep. So, you know, there are some things we can kind of talk about to just help you gauge, you know, what is your horse doing? What direction do we need to think about for their nutritional needs? No, exactly. And, and you opened up the podcast and you were talking about, you know, you, you went and saw American Standard Breads last night. So our Pacers, and, and that's a very special racing gate. So to me, that's, wow, that's very intense work or very heavy work. But then when I see videos uh, and, and, you know, TikToks and all the social media of the Pasifinos and the running walks and you see them and I'm, and I'm like, how intense is that? So if we can kind of break that down for just for the listeners so they kind of understand. If we go from like a light, moderate, hard, heavy intensity work, what are we, what are those gated horse owners looking at? Like, okay, the, I, I could kind of classify this as light. I can kind of classify this as moderate or this is really intense. Cause I know just to throw that in there last second, I know a lot of these horses too do a lot of endurance riding, which is probably the most intense exercise any horse can do, you know? So what do you think? Right. So thinking about, I think, you know, different ends of the spectrum, light riding is your light recreational riding, whether that's walk trot canter or a little bit of time spent in the rack, a little bit of time spent in the running walk tends to be your riding a couple times a week for a relatively short duration. Or that might look like your low intensity trail riding. Those would be examples of light work. As it increases, there, there's different ways that work can increase. And that's one thing that I would say those NRC recommendations don't always do the best job representing. So sometimes, you know, when we do a nutritional consultation, we can kind of help you sort out sometimes what level of work your horse is doing in the middle. Because for moderate work, that can kind of look two different directions. So that can look like shorter bouts of more intense work. I think about horses who are doing really flashy crates in a show setting. Your training with them is probably developing those gates in relatively short periods of time, so 30 minutes to an hour, very similar to the type of schooling in a lot of ways that like a dressage horse would do. So you would spend some time warming up. You would spend some time on your skill work, developing those horses' gates, developing its strengths, and then you would spend some time cooling down. When we think about horses who are working intensely, you gave two perfect examples. One, the racehorse. Mm. And oh my gosh, I love the standard road racing, by the way. That was mm. super, super cool. Um, and I have a lot of appreciation for those horses. Mm. They're working very intensely. Those horses are putting a lot of miles training every week. Many of them are racing once a week. They're very hardy horses who are working very hard. And I got to ride in the pace car that like, does the beginning of the race oh did you oh my gosh i think i'm too big for it but yeah so cool they were going so fast so oh, yeah. the they, in they fly intensity yeah. of that work is really high mm -hmm. that is short anaerobic intense work mm -hmm. we also have a lot of these horses that are spending all day out on the trail whether they're specifically doing endurance or just recreational trail riding which I accidentally went on one of these one time. I didn't know exactly what I was signing up for when I was like, hey, I'll come trail riding. And it was like an eight-hour intense trail ride. Oh, yeah. not, not so much fun. Not quite what I was expecting. Mm. But those horses are working hard, but they're working hard in a way that is low intensity for a long period of time. So thinking about how we feed these different horses, um, obviously your easy keepers, especially those that are doing light intensity work, Forage plus a ration balancer. So Essential K, Wholesome Blends Balancer. We're filling in those nutritional gaps that aren't in your forage, whether that is hay or grass. 
they don't need a whole lot of calories. They're maintaining their body condition well. They're not necessarily working that hard. As horses increase in the intensity of their work, obviously they need more calories. We, you know, have had some other podcasts where we've talked more in depth about this, but kind of breaking your intensely working horse into two groups, your racehorse and your endurance horse. That endurance horse really is working, hopefully aerobically, for long periods of time where they can really use fat and fiber as fantastic calorie sources. Your higher NSC calorie sources, the corn, oats, barley, sticky, sticky, sweet stuff, that doesn't do a great job. It's quick energy. So it doesn't do a great job supporting those long periods of work. So there we're going to think about, you know, a senior sport, that type of seed that's high fiber, high fat, but lower NSC. Perfect for that long, calm energy to really take you down the trail for many hours at a time, for example. When it comes to, you know, those horses working very intensely, standard grid racehorse, for example, we want some NSCs in the diet because they are working anaerobically, but a moderate level. Uh, depends on the seed. Anywhere from 20 to 30% might be appropriate with some fat and recognize they're going to be eating a pretty good quantity of concentrate in addition to hopefully as much hay as they can eat just because they're intensely working, putting lots of miles on those horses every week. So they're super they need mm. a high quantity of calories just to do their job. But at the end of the day, like a horse is a horse. Good quality forage, fill in the gaps. That, you know, thinking about things like gut health, we're also, you know, we don't want to support that as well, et cetera. But ultimately, I think maybe one of the biggest challenges is that a lot of times we tend to talk about just our natural gates when we're defining things. It's sorting out that if you have a horse that you are focused on, you know, gated disciplines, just where exactly does the level of work my horse is doing correspond with some of those more generalized discussions around work. And of course, at the end of the day, maintaining a healthy body condition is how we look at the horse and understand calorie perspective. Are we getting enough calories? Are they between a body condition score of four and six? If they're less than that, they need more calories. If they're more than that, they need less. Picking a product, we can feed at least the minimum daily recommended feeding rate to get all those other good nutrients in. The trace minerals, the amino acids, the mm -hmm. vitamins. Yeah, no, I was thinking too, as you were talking about body conditions, also just muscle top line scoring, right? Like we want to make sure they're, because these are athletes and then make sure they have a nice top line, uh, you know, good muscling and uh, everything they need. I, I guess my final question about this would be, I, I just see gated horses, you know, when I see the videos and stuff, they're at shows. And I know we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, so it is kind of timely that that we're talking about gated horses today. You know, feeding the performance horse or planning to go to a show, what are some tips? Because I'm thinking just the stress of trailering, we know that leads to colic. And, uh, you know, do I, how many, you know, we talked about like how much feed do you bring and, and do you bring all your hay or not? Like it's just, we've, we've discussed that before, but. Any tips like going to a show? Here's some things you could probably do to help make that less stressful to just a track. Great question. So mm -hmm. first, recognize there's no way to not create a change when when you're drastically changing the horse's life, right? But mm -hmm. if we can minimize that change as much as possible. So for for longer shows, obviously you can't bring all your hay, but hopefully you're gonna be able to purchase a hay that's as most similar to what you feed at home as possible. 
I wouldn't say if, for example, you feed straight grass hay at home and then you go to a show and you go, well, they're working harder, I'll give them alpha. That's a big change in their system. So trying to recreate as much as possible something that's consistent to home within the constraints of the fact that we are away from home, sometimes for short periods of time, sometimes for long periods of time. Maybe they're out camping and on a high line. Like there's different ways people go use their horses that aren't home, but creating as much consistency as possible is fantastic. Similarly, ideally, we're going to choose a concentrate that's going to make sense feeding at home and at a show. We don't want to make drastic changes to that. And as you've pointed out, the stress involved with trailering, being at a new place, et cetera, et cetera, um, certainly increases risk of digestive issues, whether that is colic. More specifically, we often think about ulcers in performance horses and the stressors that a company going to a show, going camping for the weekend, put on a horse. So from that perspective, of course, I would like a feed that's gut health friendly as my base feed. You know, good ingredients that are good for the gut. So that lower NSC, absolutely added pre and probiotics. That's perfect base that I would love to maintain all the time. And then my my suggestion is we think about for those horses in higher stress situations, a little bit added level. Um, so with looking at some of our gut health supplements, you know, constant comfort would be the example from our line, whether the pellets or the block. Most of the time with those horses, I like to keep them on them all the time because the stress of mm-hmm. training as well is part of that. Um, but those are things that if it doesn't work in your system all the time, that can be implemented in the shorter term during those stressful situations. Now, all solid advice, Nicole. And as you were talking, it just remind, it reminded me that to tell the listeners, there is an article that always uh, is associated with our podcast topic. So you can go to the show notes, go to the website, tributeequinenutrition.com, find that article. And then in there, we do link some of these feeds and, and supplements, but realize we have a global audience. So wherever you are in the world, Europe, South America, over in Australia, Asia, you know, you can click on, on the tribute tab, look at the feed, find something comparable in your area. You know, we talk about ration balancers. Yeah. Tributes, you know, we, we, we talk about essential K wholesome blends, but there's probably something comparable in your country. So just a tip for the, the listeners overseas that, that listen to us and thank you for listening. And I do want to say thank you to everybody that's given us five-star reviews on Spotify and iTunes. If you haven't, if you don't mind just going on there real quick, uh, it helps our circulation and, and this get picked up um, around the world. Great stuff today, Nicole. I I, I, I love these horses. I, I want to go watch them again. I'm, I'm jealous you got to go see the uh, the standard breads running around. Uh, but, uh, you know, for all of those that, that have gated horses, keep doing what you're doing. We love seeing it. And for those that have never seen one, please do yourself a favor and go to one of these shows and watch them. These ambling gates are just jaw-dropping. They're beautiful. So thank you. Thanks so much, Chris.